Hi! I'm Randy. And I'm Claire. And you're listening to Killer Vibes, a true crime podcast. This is (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay, you guys. This is my last episode. Are you okay? No, that hurts. Okay. I'm okay now. But you ruined my moment. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But this is legit my last episode that I'm going to be leading of this podcast. Forever. No. I know. I don't even know how to feel about it. Sad. Yeah, really sad because I love doing this. It's like it's my, so my, much fun. Yeah, it's like my favorite part of the week to like research a random murder and like find out all this stuff. And oh. now, if we look this stuff up, this stuff up on our computers, we can be on lists with no reasons. Yes, that the FBI with the puts podcast, us on. we just say it's research for the podcast. Yeah, and now we don't have a real reason. <sighs> Darn. That's In addition to being sad. <laughs> yeah. We're also blacklisted. And I don't Great. get to see you. Yes. And this is the worst. But but let's not be sad in our last no. night. Let's make it no. happy. Because we're going to make it happy. We were just talking about, about how we're both going to, we have to stop this because we don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> no. We have to go to law school we have and to learn. Go. We have been incorrectly stating things for about a year. Mostly me. <laughs> <laughs> me too. It's just so bad. But yeah, we have to stop. And we to need to stop. go learn it all. That way we can make a better podcast in yeah. the future. And we'll do a throwback this is and we'll just, say, here's yeah. all the things we said wrong and now we know that they were wrong. <laughs> Every two seconds. <laughs> so. It's fine. <laughs> Whatever. It's fun. It's fine. We're not offering any any legal advice we're not doing anything that would illegal. be illegal yeah so it's fine we're i do know that <laughs> we do know that that is true that's a fact that is so for my last episode in traditional me fashion i'm gonna be doing a historical murder of course obviously because those it be are my favorite claire's episode if it wasn't no ancient. if it didn't have something to do with a historical whatever. So today we're going to be talking about something that's kind of exciting. Um, We're going to talk about the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, which took place in Chicago during the Prohibition era. And it has gangsters, Al Capone, and a lot of liquor And murder. And murder. Murder. There you go. (laughs) Chicago was not a great place in the 1920s. I will say that. Stressful times. Have you been there? No, I've never been to Chicago. I've always wanted to go. I know a lot of people who are from Chicago. Really? Weirdly enough. Yeah. And I know some people who currently live in Chicago, but I have never personally visited the city. Obama's from Chicago. I also know that guy. <laughs> so, like, what the heck? We should go I? visit We him. should go visit there were Obama rumors in Chicago. For, for, like, a hot second that Obama was going to teach a class at the, a law school in Chicago. <gasps> and I was like, I'm going there. <laughs> it's like, that's the for school the I'm one, going to. the one class that would probably yes. fill up with, like, Top by our, everybody. the 44th yeah. president. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It'd I be, like, would 10 still students be there. are allowed and... My sole reason for going there was <laughs> just because President would Obama's not pan in there. out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ugh, that would suck if only ten students were allowed in there. And they're like, "You're not." But what if you were this. one of those students? Then you would be happy that there were only ten. Oh yes, because I'd get private time with President Barack Obama, and I'd be like, "Sir, I love you." Hello. That's all I would be able to say. I don't even know what I, I would just say smile to President Barack and Obama. Stare at him. I don't even know what I would say. I was like, I'm so sorry. I couldn't vote for you. I wasn't old enough. 
That was so sad. I campaigned for him, though. <laughs> I know you did. It was yeah. very fun. Yep. There you go. I, I would also... just be really nervous <laughs> and probably <laughs> giggle like, a lot. Oh, my God. <laughs> Say stupid shit. Hello. <laughs> Just like wave really weirdly. <laughs> I'd probably say that. Or I'd probably get really nervous and be like, God bless America. God. <laughs> that is so funny. That's my oh. exclamation when I get when I get scared. Yes. I'm sure we've told the story of the scary movie. Yes. I think if we, we have. haven't, Claire got scared in a scary movie in a theater full of people and she said, God. And then like a moment passed and then she said, Bless, bless America. America. <laughs> and then I laughed. Very loudly for like 10 minutes. Yeah. I think I said it during the Annabelle movie too. Did you? Yeah. I think it was under my breath though. But that girl that was sitting next to me kept on laughing at everything I was saying. So I was very distracted by that. I was like, oh my You're God. Like, oh, I have an audience. It's like, time to perform. <laughs> anyway. That movie yeah. is good if you guys are wondering. We yeah, told y'all pretty good. we were going to go see it last week. And we did. Mm-hmm. We did go see it, in fact. And I haven't seen the first Annabelle movie and it was still very, you know, easy to follow and stuff. It was creepy. I liked it. Me too. Cool. Okay, so Chicago. (laughs) Yes, Chicago 1920s. Okay. So on February 14th, 1929, seven men were gunned down in Chicago. The men were found in a line, all seemingly facing the wall of a garage as they were shot down. The police determined that there had been four gunmen, two armed with the infamous Thompson submachine gun, or the Tommy gun, and the other two were armed with just regular shotguns. So whatever. They're not fun basic jesus come on get with it get creative you're a gang member in chicago use a tommy gun or something even cooler yeah right like is there something cooler i don't know engrave flowers into a gun (laughs) or your name or something cool yeah right like i don't know memorable helter skelter on the wall yes (laughs) do that in blood in the blood of your enemies literally but don't spell it correctly no because that's (laughs) what they did yeah, don't do that, because that's not cool. It's too mainstream if you spell it correctly. Yeah. Okay. So, basically, don't use a shotgun, but two of them did. And the police also found out that there were a few eyewitnesses that said that the two of the gunmen had been dressed as policemen, um, and they were seemingly arresting the men that were inside of this garage, and... That's probably why they had all been put up against the wall mm-hmm. with their hands up. And then the other two men appeared and they murdered all seven bang, men bang, in cold blood. Bang, 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 bang. Well, there were 90 shots fired. So. Oh, bang, bang. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We so, have yeah. to sit here for 90 seconds. For 90, 90 memorable shots for the seven <laughs> men murdered. Okay. So these murders took place in Chicago and would become the peak of the Chicago mob wars in the 1920s. The event would become known as the infamous St. Valentine's Day Massacre. The seven men had all been associates of the North Side Gang, which was run by the Irish mobster George or Bugs Morin. Uh, Morin and his gang were in direct conflict with the most notorious of all gangsters, Al Scarface Capone. Scarface. Yep. Woo, woo. He hated that nickname, apparently. But <laughs> it's I don't not really a very ca- no, good it's not nickname. great. I mean, it has kind of been like dubbed a really awesome nickname because of the movie Scarface. But it kind of just sounds like you have a gross scar on your face. Which he did. He yeah. had three. I have two on my face. Whoa. I should have that nickname. Brandy Scarface. <laughs> <laughs> no. How did he get his scar? Was it a cool? I'll tell you. Something cool? Okay. We'll talk about it. 
Yeah. Have you seen Scarface? No, I don't want to see it. Oh, I don't. I already got the the highlights. Oh, you're oh, you're good. The okay. cocaine and say hello to my little friend. Bang bang. That's it. That's all I need. <laughs> and I'm done. I get the whole movie. Okay. Does he die at the end? I've seen it so long ago. Okay. That I don't remember, and I don't remember enjoying it that much either. To be yeah, honest, right? that movie I watched this. <coughs> um little thing in one of my classes called The Tough Guys, which was a really cool show about how toxic masculinity is causing men to shoot up schools. And um, Scarface was one of the films that this particular guy was talking about and how um, the mentality and the like masculine man is sort of, I don't know, created in figures like the guy in Scarface and in all of these old gangsters and mobsters, mm. we sort of like put the image of what a masculine man is onto these men. But in reality, they were violent killers who didn't care about human life and controlled brothels and ran sex operations that completely manipulated women, especially immigrant women. Um, that's what that's what mobs were made for. So a lot of people associate mobsters with prohibition, but mobs and, like and cool or- stuff. Yeah, yeah. And- but like mobs and organized yeah. crime have existed forever. For trafficking. Yes. <laughs> and sex trafficking is their main area of trade. Or drug trafficking or yeah, trafficking. and gambling. Other things. Yeah. So prohibition was just like a profit for these people. And um, it only It's lasted. very glamorous. Yes, it is very sure. glamorized. It's really, really horrible what they actually did. And nobody ever talks about the brothels. Like, I was doing research for this, and the majority of the information I got about Al Capone was his work in Prohibition and illegal rum running or bootlegging. So let's also consider the fact that he was manipulating young women and putting them into brothels and controlling them for sex work. Um so don't forget about that because that was what their original jobs were in New York, Chicago, and basically every major city in the United States. So it's not cool to be a mobster. Don't idolize that. Yeah, that's not great. Unless it's for like Halloween or something. Actually, still don't do that. Yeah, no. Maybe don't do that then either. Actually, never mind. It You can enjoy the movie. Yes. And this episode. Yes. Of this podcast. <laughs> you can enjoy the movie because Scarface isn't a isn't like but a I don't real thing that took remember place, it but... being enjoyable. So Yeah, like whatever. I don't know why people like but that. There movie, other, but there are other good gang movies mm-hmm. that you could watch. Yeah. That are more realistic. American Gangster, Boondock Saints. Mm-hmm. There's a movie that came out super recently that was really good that had um the actor with red hair, who you, from La La Land, what's her name? Oh, Emma Stone. Yeah, she's in it, and I want to say Ryan Gosling's in it, but I, that might just be just because oh I- Oh my God, I know what you're What's that movie about. called? It was so uh, su- surprisingly wonderful. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, but I don't remember what it's called. Claire's going to look it up. Okay. She gave me a I'm face <laughs> that I assume means she's looking it up. I just remember watching it and at the end being like, that was amazing. And I did not expect it to be. Uh, it's not called Gangster Squad, is it? Yes. Is it that is called it Gangster Squad. Okay. Yeah. That, that movie is excellent. I haven't seen <clears> that one. So go watch that and you can en- enjoy that experience, but don't, but know that they're probably doing bad things behind the scenes. Yeah, exactly. They were doing bad things behind the scenes. 
But yeah, so in addition to that, there's like this weird connection in this book called Cool Pose, which is about um, sort of like black culture and how it also has derived from white gangsters from the 1920s. And they're like, mm. there's like this weird connection. What? I haven't heard of that. Yeah. Interesting. And then people also, they like, you get mad at like white people for emulating black culture and like black street mentality, but black people kind of derived their mentality from these big mobsters that were Italian and Irish. And there's this weird, it's so interesting. I never thought about it that way before. I feel like that's not right. Yeah. And that's why <laughs> I was like, I like was confused at first because I was like, I don't think Is it think just like that's... a theory? Yeah, it's just a theory. Oh, okay. And um it's just a it's just how we connect back into like our different cultural ups and downs and like what we value and what we don't value and when we value it and um why it starts to be devalued. So it's a lot of different connections and things. But one of the lines that they drew was that like weird gangster stuff even nowadays in traditional black communities communities derived from like games gangster mentalities of Italian mobsters. Hmm. But yeah, I haven't read the book Cool Pose, but I heard about this theory in the same show that I watched, which is called The Tough Guys. And I would definitely recommend everybody to watch it because it was really interesting the way that he broke down how we typically don't gender the men who shoot up schools. Yeah. And we always call them the killer or the assassin or whatever. We never say the man who did it or the boy who did it. Mm-hmm. And when we associate women with violence, we always say it's a girl. Yeah. So there's some disconnect there. And then he also connected it back into why masculinity is tends to be toxic when it reaches levels of like trying to emulate people like Scarface or Al Capone. But anyway, or even smaller scale too. Mm-hmm. Like the I think I said this in another episode like when it came out, but the American Psychological Association deemed it a mental disorder. Yeah, <laughs> like an epidemic. Yeah, it is <laughs> in because, our nation. Yeah, we're like training young boys to c- completely get rid of their softer side or their feminine side by deeming it to be weaker, but there's nothing weak about being feminine. No. Um and emotional there's nothing weak about that. It's a response to interactions and it's completely normal. And if you call feminine characteristics like weak and ridiculous and stupid, then you're basically calling the majority of women weak and stupid. And if you call women weak and stupid, I'm going to get mad because I am a woman and I am not weak and stupid. And we all have our yin and our yang side. Yeah, exactly. Like we, that resides in all of us. And You can even trace it back to something I talked about in a sociology class so long ago of how we're socialized through games as children is all the games that girls will play, like Barbies and Barbies. I don't know anything else, but yeah, tea parties and stuff like that are babies and dolls. It's very socialized or social oriented and like, oh, we're talking and we're getting coffee and we're shopping Mm -hmm. and whatever. Yeah, and we're, you know. Whereas a lot of games that boys play have an end result. So they're constantly aiming to get to that end result. To achieve something. Yeah, where our games don't usually have that. Like, I can't even think of one that does. Um, Oh, yeah, I don't think So when you grow up and you're like, oh, well, women are so much better at communicating, it's because we've been socialized to communicate our entire lives. It's like that's how we achieve our ultimate goal. Yeah, and men have been socialized to meet an end result as quickly and efficiently as possible. 
And we talked about how that translates into like the common couple argument of like where do you want to go eat and then the girlfriend's oh, like oh i don't know let's talk about it like what kind of food That's do like, you want what are you feeling today and then the boyfriend just gets annoyed because they just want you to pick a, something pick something yeah and like that's we shouldn't be upset about that because that's how indivi- we are individually socialized to deal with a decision like that. But we should work to not have such polar opposite yeah, socializations barriers. because then Absolutely. you grow up to have <laughs> mass shooters. <laughs> yes, exactly. So we shouldn't socially isolate anyone and we shouldn't emulate these mobsters that we're going to be talking about today. So yeah, let's not do that. Yeah, let's not do that. But we are going to talk about them because it's interesting (laughs) yes we can be entertained by it some juicy stuff there's just so many different like bullshit reasons for them to shoot each other and they do it anyway and i'm like oh my god okay so we were finishing up our previous conversation about the actual murder talking about george uh or bugs morin and um his famous conflict with Al Capone and their two mob syndicates that sort of ran Chicago at the time. Syndicates? Yes. Good word. Thank you so much. (laughs) Um, While this particular massacre, the St. Valentine's Day Are you okay? (laughs) Did you just dribble all over (laughs) yourself? (laughs) (laughs) That laugh was so funny because you couldn't fully laugh because you... (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm going to wash my hair. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm sorry, I'll stop interrupting you. Totally can you tell okay. I don't want the podcast yes. to end? I don't want it to <laughs> be over Subconsciously, like, what can I talk about I know, to prolong right? this? Oh, my God. Anyway, okay. Um, so, the St. Valentine's Day Massacre um, has never actually been officially linked back to Compone. There's no actual evidence. Okay. Yeah, right, exactly. It's like, I don't okay, know please. anything about it, and I know that. <laughs> That's False. That's incorrect. But there actually isn't any physical evidence that we have that can link back to Compone. Well, he's like... A super good mobster. Yeah. Why would he leave any evidence? He wouldn't leave any he's evidence. He's a, pro- a professional. He's, literally, that's his job. To be a literally. mobster. To be a gangster in Chicago. And be good at it. And he's good at it. Um, but of course, it is a generally accepted theory that due to the discourse between Capone and Bugs, that the murders were an alleged hit, which was orchestrated by Capone. I like that story better. That's interesting. Uh, yeah. That's because it's true. Now, why were they <laughs> mad at each other? Well, we're going to dig right in, kids. Okay. Okay. So let's establish why Morin and Al Capone were even in power in the first place. So the reason why they were making so much money was because of the passage of the 18th Amendment, which passed in 1920. And as we had mentioned before... Obviously, prohibition wasn't the only reason that these crime bosses were in control, but it made them so much money that they became untouchable in Chicago and New York, Detroit, um, Boston. Yeah, Boston. I think there were a few people in Denver that were doing it. Just like the huge centers of each state were controlled by some sort of weird guy. And speakeasies. <laughs> with the and scar on his with face. A, with a scar, particularly those with scars on their faces. <laughs> as a criterion. And basically. So this amendment, as all of you will know if you pass eighth grade history, 
made it illegal to sell and consume alcoholic beverages in the United States. This amendment was pushed by a large number of temperance movements in the U.S. These movements were established largely by religious groups, and many of the movements were headed by women who said that alcohol was dangerous to families and to women and caused men to commit domestic violence against women, which is totally valid, and there's a lot of proof to that, of course. Um, These platforms were created during a time when American law and American religious groups kind of, like, fused together and, like, Christian tendencies were usually the typical religious groups that were running around in America at the time. Um, You don't see a lot of idealization of like Muslim or Hindu or Buddhist groups in the United States. It was like either you love Jesus or you're not an American, Um, which is not true. but, But you know what I mean? Oh, my gosh. I have to tell you something. Oh, my God. Tell me. Okay. So, (laughs) Kalen and I stayed with some of his family members who were visiting Colorado, like Grand Lake, this Mm -hmm. weekend. And we were playing that card game Skipbo. I have no idea what that is. It's just like a card game with numbers. Okay. And (laughs) thank you for not having to explain that to me because I I would not care. Okay. And the number 666 (laughs) kept coming up. It came up like four times, like the numbers beside each other. And what is the, like, Okay, well, basically, like, the way it's laid out is you have, like, four piles in the middle, mm-hmm. and they have numbers on them. So you mm-hmm. don't really need to know anything other than those four piles kept being, like, 666. I wonder what the statistic is on how often that would happen. I don't know, but it happened four times that in our one game. That seems like that would not happen normally. And I couldn't help but say, Hail Satan. I, yeah, that and seems I thought it was funny. And luckily, they weren't, like, offended, and it was kind of funny. Well... Whatever, it's a joke. (laughs) They were offended. I would have been like, stop being so ridiculous. Stop it. (laughs) Satan's not real. Um, So I've always found it sort of ridiculous that the people who say that the consumption of alcohol is evil are Christians because one of the most popular stories in the Bible is when Jesus literally walks up to some barrels of water because his mom is like, there's no more wine at this wedding. (laughs) Go make some wine. Jesus. Jesus is so boring here. I hate this. Like, we have to be here because it's your whoever, cousin, aunt, whatever. (laughs) It's an obligation. Obligation to be here. And there's no more wine. And I can't do it. And this DJ is horrible. And I need you to turn this water into wine right now. And Jesus is like, yeah. And he, like, taps it. And he turns water into alcohol. Alcohol is holy. Jesus was down for the wine. If we're following Jesus' word... Jesus literally tells us to turn water into wine. And you drink wine at Catholic Church. Yes. He like chose that as his beverage of choice. He was like, my blood is, is wine. wine. Wine drink runs it. through my blood. I love wine. You know why? <laughs> that? It's because he drank so much wine. He drank so much that wine. That they made the assumption it was just all up it in his just, bloodstream. Yeah. He didn't pick and cranberry that's how juice. communion started. Yes. Communion. I know that word. <laughs> There you go. Did I use it correctly? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, okay. communion is during church and then... When you drink the wine in the little tortilla. Yeah. It's a wafer. That's communion. <laughs> but yeah, tor- that's funny that you call it a tortilla. It looks like a little tortilla. It does. It's a little circular thing, but it is not made like a traditional tortilla. Tortillas are much more delicious. Okay. I believe you. I never yep. got old enough to, in the Catholic church, to get to the part where I got to eat that. Oh, to receive the first Eucharist? I never got that. So I had to like yeah. cross my hands like this and... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I had my first Eucharist. It's uh, you have to. This is how gross this is. You dress up like a little bride, 
like Ugh. girls wear white <laughs> no. girls wear white dresses and then men wear traditional tuxedos. Oh my God, that makes me want to vomit. Yeah, I don't really know where that tradition comes from because I didn't pay attention to any of those classes and I was also in second grade. So I don't remember. Traditional weddings make me want to vomit too. Yeah, those are my favorite. Like, I, I have here's like a... my daughter that I own that I will give, <laughs> give to, to you, you now and her purity. Yes. Ta-da. I feel like like my dad and I have such a good relationship that, that would just be weird. That it should be weird for anybody. Yeah. If that doesn't feel weird to you, it should. It should. You can still do it. Yes. But like for the tradition, it should feel weird. It, but it shouldn't you actually should be acknowledge a legitimate its weirdness. Thing. Yes. It is kind be of like, weird. Be like, hey guys, this is weird. Be like, I approve <laughs> of this because I'm the father and I have to give my approval. You know. That's weird. Yeah, it's very odd. Do whatever you want. Uh yeah. Okay. Talk let's also the wedding industry is totally a cheat. Just saying. Like don't just go don't on a nice pay. vacation yeah. and then go to a courthouse. Yeah. Don't pay so much for a stupid wedding. Like yeah. it does not matter. You know what you do? <laughs> you have a wedding party. Yes. Where you, a wedding barbecue. A wedding barbecue where that maybe great. costs two hundred dollars. Yeah. And then you get all the the gifts. And mm-hmm. stuff, but you you just go on a vacation. Yeah. So spend all that money on a really nice trip for the two of you. Yeah. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna get Me married, too. married at a courthouse. Me too. Can I come to yours? Though? Yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh, for <laughs> sure. Can I be your witness? Yes. <laughs> okay. Can I get a witness? <laughs> here, I'm the witness. You can get one. I'm right here. Okay. It's just me and Zoe just like yeah. holding hands in the corner with our legs. I would up. love that. And that would be so fun. Okay. Um, but then we have to come on the trip with you. That's true. We would do like, what if, okay, we do like small trips with like just our close friends. Yeah. And then during the ceremony, I'll turn water into wine. Okay. By fermenting it because I can't actually do that. Because <laughs> Which would know. be a long process. Yeah, so I that's going to be like a long yeah. ceremony. So it'll be several days. I'll give you time to do that. Thank you so much. What are we talking about? Weddings. Okay. So (laughs) basically what I'm saying is that Christians who say, yes, Christians who say that drinking is bad for you or that it's like against Jesus is a lie. Wait, what did we say in the last episode? America. America. The the worst hypocrite. The world's worst hypocrite or something. Yes. Comes full circle. Yeah, it's not just America, though. It's just, like, Christianity, the world's worst hypocrite. <laughs> True. <laughs> world, maybe the world's... Organized religion. <laughs> just make it more vague. Hypocrite. Oh, man, I hope my family doesn't hear this. Okay. Um, so, Jesus loves wine. Therefore, <laughs> we should love wine because Jesus loves it. And yet, here we are with the temperance movement and these women coming forward and be like, wine is bad for you. And so is alcohol in general, just seeing. And... <laughs> Again, like I said before, they actually did have a lot of foundation in why they were doing this entire thing. And it's really empowering to see a whole bunch of women gather together and be that like, cool, yeah. men are abusing women and children. They're not doing their jobs and they're not taking care of their families. Uh, gender roles, but <laughs> let's take the story as a whole here. They're not taking care of their family as the breadwinner. And therefore, we need to illegalize this dr- this basically a drug that's causing men to become abusive and do all of these horrible things. So that does make a lot of sense. And at the time, because they were these Christian groups and they advocated for a level of purity and kindness, whatever, also hypocritical, but these women were actually advocating for that and wanted to become dry. So it's kind of cool to see this happen. And um, of course, women couldn't vote. Yet. That's the 19th. 
That's the one after. Yes. So women couldn't vote yet. So the 18th Amendment had to be passed by all of the men in Congress. And so the women were basically just like telling the men, they were like, you have to do this. So it was a huge movement in the United States. And it worked, obviously. That was um, pretty cool. Yeah. And if you want to know more about the temperance movement and how prohibition sort of got its start, because like... Prohibition's not the interesting part. It's all the crazy gang murders that are interesting. <laughs> um, but there's this show called Prohibition, um, which is by the famous uh, film biographer guy, Ken Burns. And he's oh, awesome. Oh, yeah. And it's like three episodes. And each episode is, it's pretty long. Like, each episode is like 120 minutes. Um, so if you wanted to watch that. That sounds so boring. <laughs> yes, to you, but I watched all of it. It was so good. Um, I watched it for fun, mind you. That's weird. <laughs> yeah, because I really like Ken Burns, and so I just What else did he make? One. Why is that so familiar? He's made a lot of different PBS documentaries. So he made, like, the Vietnam War, the Civil War, Prohibition. Um, he's done really, really good American documentaries. I think I'm thinking of the Vietnam War one. Yeah. Yeah, that one's one of his most popular yeah. ones. Um, that's the, I like, if you have sat through a college level history class, you've probably watched a Ken Burns film at some point. Um, so yeah. Okay. So just so we know, the prohibition movement also only lasted for 13 years. (laughs) So, and then it was repealed. So we have these beautiful 13 years of gangs and crazy stuff happening. So yes. (laughs) When you tell people they can't do something, they just want to do it more. They just want to do it more. So just tell them to do it in moderation, but even then they'll still do it more. Okay. So um, going back to Capone and Morin, I think it's Morin, but I thought it was Moran for a minute. We'll just call him Bugs because it's That's funny. cool. Yeah. So Capone and Bugs were obviously not the originator of organized crime. They both kind of inherited organized crime. Um, Bugs was from Chicago. Capone was actually from Brooklyn. And um, they both got involved in organized crime when they were children and got arrested a lot and just like some bad stuff. Just really nasty childhoods, just not with the great. They didn't really run with the greatest crowds in the whole world. They these people like encouraged them to become violent. And when you tell a little kid, when a big mobster guy comes up to a little boy and he's like, I trust you and I'm going to teach you the ways of the world and this is how you do it. And I'm putting my faith in you. You would take that and be like, they're putting their faith in me. I, I just have to do a that good job. You said it looking at me. Yeah. So it's very you impactful. trust me, I will be yeah. a gangster. Yeah. When somebody, when a legitimate good person tells, a, like, is told, sorry, is told that someone trusts them with something, with a job or a duty or something, they take that trust seriously. Especially and, someone with, like, a moldable yes, mind. Yes, exactly. With these impressionable kids. They're like, oh, my God, all of this huge guy who's a big deal is putting his faith in me. That means that I'm important now and I'm going to take this seriously. And these guys were terrifying. They killed people all the time. They controlled a whole bunch of money. They were the rulers of these cities for a really long time. Um, Tamami Hall is like a really famous Irish like location of the Irish mob in New York. And they controlled elections in New York City. Like they were a big deal, all these mobsters and stuff. So to have, so it's easy for these kids to get involved in that. And that's exactly what happened with Capone and with Bugs. So whatever. So no hope. Yeah, there's no hope. It was just going to happen. Yep. Oh, that's sad. Great. Super great. So Bugs basically inherited his position in the Northside Chicago gang. He inherited the leadership position from the previous leader who died in 1924. And we're going to talk about that, too. 
He had become basically co-owners of the operation with his friend Earl Weiss, but when Weiss died in 1926, Bob Bugs became the official leader, and for the next three years, he and Al Capone battled it out on the streets of Chicago for supremacy of the Chicago bootlegging, gambling, and prostitution rings. Super cool. Such Sounds great things like to die for, work. you guys. <laughs> Alcohol, sex work, and bad sex work, and trafficking, and gambling. I love that they're dying for these great causes. They're so passionate. So passionate. Okay. So, again, organized crime is just like a giant business. <laughs> Um, with tax evasion, and they usually just like control a particular substance or product or service, like gambling, brothels, and then of course illegal alcohol. Um, and then they would capitalize on bootlegging, which is ultimately which made up them all of their money. But as I had said before, it's just important to take note that brothels and gambling were the like big deals for these gangs and nobody ever talks about them and it's important to talk about all the women who were implicated in all of this and sex trafficked and they were probably immigrant women and we probably might never never know all of their names and what happened to all of them and the diseases that killed them because they obviously weren't protected or safe or doing anything that we would consider to be healthy and and good in terms of like actual sex work so like the Lady of the Dunes. Yes, Lady of the Dunes. Poor Lady of the Dunes. My heart goes out to her. I don't know what her name is. Nobody does. Lady of the Dunes. Yeah, Lady of the Dunes. There you go. But it's not like what we would consider like the red light district in Amsterdam or anything like that. Like it's legit, really gross and really bad. Exploitation. Absolutely. So Al Capone became the ruler of organized crime in Chicago in 1925 after the retirement of his close and personal friend and, of course, mob boss, Johnny Torrio. And we're going to talk about Torrio a lot because he has a lot of influence on Capone. Capone had been associated with Torrio since his early crime days when he lived in Brooklyn, New York. Capone started getting involved in gangs when he was a kid. He met Torrio when he joined the gang James Street Boys, which was run and organized by Torrio. When Capone was only 16, he decided that he wanted to be a big-time mobster because he has another big-time mobster up there being successful and showing him the ropes. So, of course, he wants to emulate that guy. And he decided to join another gang called Five Points, which was run by one of Torrio's friends, Frankie Yale, who was just called Yale. Cool names. I know. They're actually pretty good. It's a lot of like Italian and Irish names, so they're just they're just clever. I like them. Okay, um, so Capone served as basically the guy who would go out and do all the dirty work and like threaten people and make everybody feel small and horrible. And he's like a big guy. Like if you've seen a picture of Capone, he's very imposing. He like knows how to dress really well, like you know traditional mobster style from the 1920s. Always in a suit, really snappy looking. Um, snappy. So snappy. A sharp. Uh, a sharp. Every girl's crazy about a sharp just man. It's true. I just can't stop singing on this podcast. <laughs> do Claire's it. the like literal <laughs> professional singer. Not professional, but I do enjoy a good tune every once in a while. She's a professional singer. She's had training. She's performed. Tis true. But I like your singing. Thanks. So thank you for contributing. You're welcome. You're just a step above... Uh, a step above was his face. Bob, Bob Dylan. Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> Since he was so good at that. Okay. Well, I mean, he made all of his money off of it, so I guess he was kind of good at it. It was the writing. Yeah. It wasn't the singing. Exactly. 
And I saw him a couple years ago, and it was bad. <laughs> he's so bad. He's, bad singing, and he was really old when oh, I saw him. Poor guy. Yeah, he's like a poor man, Simon and Garfunkel. But his writing is better than anyone in the whole world. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I do like Simon and Garfunkel's writing, too, though. Me, too. They have some poetry in there. Anyway, this is so not relevant. Okay. <laughs> so um, Capone, who didn't know Simon and Garfunkel or Bob Dylan, um, he worked a lot of storefronts and bartending jobs. Um, and he was the first face you would see, which in these stupid bars that were obviously just a front for like money laundering. Mm-hmm. Um, and he would be the guy that would connect you to Torio or Yale. So he was like a big deal. He was like a secondhand man to these two giant mobsters in Brooklyn, New York. So he's a big deal. I love Brooklyn. Um, no, sleep till Brooklyn. <laughs> that's it. That'll, that's all I have to say. Okay. Um, so you didn't even sing no, that. No, I didn't. Okay. No, sleep till Brooklyn. Okay. So Capone would get We're his... We're so, so much variety. I know. It was ZZ Top, the yeah. BC one. Mm-hmm. We know our music. Well, I don't, because I didn't know that was ZZ Top. That's not ZZ Top. The sharp-dressed man was ZZ Top. <laughs> See? <laughs> you just sang the Beastie Boys. <laughs> See, I didn't even know that. I just knew that that was a song that existed. It's okay. So, that's good for me. Okay. So um, Capone would get his infamous nickname, Scarface, when he was 21. <laughs> Tell me all about it. Oh okay, okay. So he was serving at a bar called the Harvard Inn, which we've <laughs> okay. been was to Yell, Was Yell there? No, he wasn't. <laughs> but it would have been really funny if he had been. Um, and this inn was in Coney Island. Um, it was, of course, a front for all of the illegal things that they were involved in. And he was serving at this inn, and this guy named Frank Galuccio slashed Capone across the face with a razor blade three times on his, I think it was his left cheek, and he was just gushing blood. And it was all because Capone said something super nasty and sexual about Frank's sister. (laughs) And so Frank was like, what the the hell you say about my sister? And then he like slashed him, like literally- Uh, and if you look at, like, a legit picture of Capone, you can see the scars on his face. And one of them's kind of, like, right under his chin. And there's another one a little bit above it. And then there's a huge one, like, a gash on the side of his cheek that's really, really <sighs> prominent. I'm going to look up a so, photo. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. And, well, I mean, it's not cool that he got slashed in the face, but the scar is really cool. And, of course, this would be how um, Capone would get his nickname. He did not like this nickname, but... It has existed into infamy now. Um, so there you go. That just made my face hurt. Yeah, looking at the picture. No, I haven't looked at it. Just you explaining it to me. I don't oh, have internet. Yeah. I need to look on yeah. my computer. So it's pretty, um, the scars aren't, they're not as like prominent So he did as, it three times? Yeah, I think it was just like a brutal like, like slash thing. I don't know what it looked like, but he slashed him across the face three times with a razor blade, which I'm sure hurt like hell. But yeah. Why isn't there a photo? I don't know. Oh, there it is. Yeah. No, there- this is the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the movie, I think I, I think the movie kind of exaggerates the scar a little bit. It's not, you don't see it right away. And there are a couple pictures of Capone of his left side, the left side of his face. And it doesn't look like there's anything on there, but he does have three scars Oh, no, you can see it. There. Yeah, you can see it for sure. Yeah. So it's very cool. Yeah. It kind of looks like he, what's that makeup thing? Where you draw lines on your face. Oh, contour? It kind of looks like he didn't do that very well. He contoured his face with a razor blade. Um, Or he just, like, didn't 
blended in very well. No. Poor guy walking around with unblended contour makeup on the whole time. <laughs> Nobody told him. Okay. So after this attack, Capone would commit his first murder as a 21-year-old, and he killed a guy who beat him at a game of craps, which is a card game, and took all of his money. And so Capone just, like, went and fucking killed him. <laughs> Sore loser. I know. <laughs> So, um, I feel that though. <laughs> yeah. He was not convicted of this murder. There were no eyewitnesses and the guy was just found dead. Of course, everybody knew that it was Capone because he had just lost this huge craps game with this guy. It's just bullshit. But yeah. Anyway. Okay. So, How about like a redo or like a round two? Or- <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, what the hell? Um, so... In 1909, Torrio would move out of Brooklyn and into Chicago, and Capone actually stayed behind in Brooklyn, but when he was attacked by members of the rival gang, the White Hand, in Brooklyn, Torrio and Yale started to worry for Capone's life. The White Hand was out for blood and promised retribution for the attack that Capone had dealt out several years previous. So about 10 years after Torrio had moved into uh, Chicago, Yale sent Capone out of New York in 1919 to go work in Chicago with Torrio. So now we have... so that's how he gets to Chicago. Yeah, yeah. So that's how he gets there. A lot of people think that Capone is from Chicago, but he's not. He was born and raised in Brooklyn. So Torrio was involved with the big with the mobster Big Jim Calissimo, who owned a bunch of brothels in the Chicago area. However, this power dynamic would change almost instantaneously when Capone got got to Chicago. And this is because the same year that Capone showed up, Calissimo was assassinated. (laughs) Oh. Hmm, I wonder who did that. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, so (laughs) this assassination basically just made way for Torrio to completely rule and run Chicago during Prohibition. And um, he would become the leader of multiple different gangs in Chicago, a variety of ethnicities, including several Italian, Irish, Russian, and Jewish gangs that were running throughout the entire city. And if you notice, all of these are marginalized people at the time. Um, And that's also kind of like a key as to why mob mentality even existed among these groups, because they were so heavily isolated in terms of representation in America at the time. In addition to that, a lot of Italian and Irish immigrants were not granted um, citizenship back in the early 1800s because they weren't considered to be like white people, which is really hard for us to kind of grasp um, nowadays because I'm obviously a white person. But back then, because I have red hair and I look extremely Irish, I wouldn't have been considered a white person because I didn't come from what was traditionally seen as white, which was like English and Nordic regions. And this is also where race as a societal construct starts to play a huge role in the way in which America would socially isolate certain ethnic groups. It's really gross, you guys. That's all I have to say. (laughs) Stop it. Stop doing that. Okay. Um, but also don't ignore race. Yeah, don't be colorblind. <laughs> that's not a yeah, thing. That's not a thing. That's not a good thing. I feel like people have like a weird understanding of what like colorblindness actually is. And it's not great. Like, not a positive. We have to recognize each other's race and like where we come from because we are different. 
and that's okay. That's the thing that people don't understand is like salad bowl. Yes, we, not melting, not melting pot. pot. The melting pot <laughs> legit was a play written specifically that excluded black and um, Latin American immigrants and uh, definitely Asians. Rude. Yes, because there was literally a Chinese Exclusion Act that was passed <laughs> yeah. in the United States Ugh. of America. It's disgusting. Okay, anyway, so don't ignore race, but all of these ethnic groups were coming together because their race was being racialized. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, so Torrio said that everyone would prosper in this new situation with the bootlegging and the rum running, which are the same thing, but... Rum um, running. <laughs> yeah, rum running. Um, and if everyone just stayed out of each other's business and didn't mess with each other's products then it would be fine. And for a large part of it, these gangs like totally agreed with that. And under Torio's rule, they signed a charter and became a part of the Chicago outfit. And it was supported by Chicago's mayor at the time, Big Bill Thompson, who's the mayor of Chicago from 1917 to 1923 and was then again mayor from 1927 to 1931. So he was one of the big reasons that Torrio and Capone succeeded in the first place and helped to prevent any legal action they may have faced, um, as you know, mass murdering gangsters who also sold illegal liquor and owned brothels and gambling joints, just like all over the place. So any sort of legal action that could have been dealt out to both Capone, Torrio, or any of the other leaders who had signed this charter and become a part of the Chicago outfit wouldn't have happened just wouldn't have happened because the yeah. mayor was totally like this is fine whatever because They've everybody got, they're was, with the band yeah 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 exactly it's fine and everybody wanted alcohol that was the other thing is these <laughs> yeah. people were pushing alcohol turn, i'll turn a blind eye yeah, yeah. yeah it's like if you give me beer then i'm okay like free beer and i won't press charges people need alcohol for their sanity they really do and i don't blame people i mean it's a relaxer it's like something that people you just can't abuse it just do it Sometimes. Yeah, in moderation. And not that much. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's not that we're saying, like, you should drink all the time every day, but it's, like, don't make it illegal because then it will become a rare commodity and people will want it more. Also, the Mediterranean diet suggests a glass of red wine every day. Every just day. Saying. Yes, apparently it's good for, your like, your health. Your heart. <laughs> yes, it's good for your heart. And but it... red wine sucks, which is a bummer. For you, I like red wine. She likes the grossest <laughs> wine. Like, let's go get some wine. Let me find the grossest wine in this room. That's what Claire says. And then that's and... exactly what I say. No, I, okay. <laughs> I say I, I like Cabernet Sauvignons and I like Pinot Noirs and Randy hates them. <laughs> I just like sweet wine. I just like Boone's Farm and like <laughs> Bigfoot. Yeah, like I just like the sweet ones that have sugar that's in them. That's fine. You can totally like that, but I don't like that. I'm not a big sugar person though. So I don't I don't have an epic sweet tooth. Like I can live She with wants me. to drink cardboard. So she gets yeah, red wine. Mm -hmm. And she enjoys it. I just love eating cardboard all the time. <laughs> That's what it tastes like. Constantly. <laughs> anyway, okay. So everybody wanted to drink cardboard with me and um they just like we're making so much money off of it. How could they not keep go keep doing it? And so I mean, I would. Yeah, right? Like how it's just like a perfect sort of situation because they're already doing all of these illegal things and they're getting away with it anyway because, again, like, we all know politicians love brothels and <laughs> being assholes to women. Um, it's their favorite activity. It's their favorite thing they to get do. get together and do it so all great. the time. 
looking at you, Mr. President. And yeah. So, and your friend that just got busted yes, for Epstein. the child sex ring. Mm. <laughs> That's a whole other com- conversation. On point with this story. Wow. Oh, I wanted Timeliness. to kick some ass. I was so pissed. But I'm really, really glad that the New York DA is bringing forth that other eyewitness that they have. And like actually bad things will happen. Yes. Yeah. I hope bad well, things good happen things. to Bad things to ass. him. Is good. his name Jerry? I don't know his first name, but I do know Whatever. his last name is Epstein. Like that guy from Jerry B- sounds correct. Yeah, I think it's Jerry Epstein. I don't know, but whatever. He's not important. It's the women that are important, and they will finally have their day in court. Thank you. So, um, the word bootlegging, fun fact, <gasps> comes, fun fact, yeah, um, comes from the 1880s. Weirdly enough, and um, people, so not people, but like fur traders, which who are people? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying. There's a, it's a specific group of people. Um, <laughs> not all people. I see what not you're all people, but this particular group of people, which was usually fur traders and trappers, um, at the end of the 1880s, which was kind of the end of that era, would put their flasks in the top of their boots to prevent having to trade alcohol with the Native Americans. So they would like hide like it, hiding, like it. hide oh, their okay. stores of alcohol, so it wouldn't be an option because they were like, we want our liquor. Um, I don't really, I think that's why they didn't really explain exactly why you would have hid your liquor from the Native Americans, but that might have just been made up based on the stereotype that Native Americans are alcoholics. Yeah. Like, uh, (laughs) that might just be a racist joke. I think that white people are alcoholic. Everybody could be an alcoholic. Yeah. It has nothing to do with with race. It has everything to do with how much alcohol you consume. (laughs) That's it. Okay, anyways, so um, that's kind of where the term bootlegging came from. Um, And one interesting thing, in addition to the fact that the mayor was, like, totally fine with all these Chicago mobsters doing stuff, was that the police were not worried about the violence that was happening. (laughs) Okay. And let me tell you why. It's because the gangsters weren't killing civilians. They were killing each other. So they were like, well, they're just killing each other off, basically doing our job for us. So that makes sense. I mean, that's basically what police do for gangs yeah. nowadays. Yeah. It's Anyways, sort of like, so. at least they're not hurting anyone that didn't have anything to do with it. Because most of these people, most of the hits weren't just like on random people walking down the street. They were all like dealt out to people who were members of rivaling gangs. So the Chicago police weren't super enthusiastic about pursuing all of these deaths. In addition to that, like, Deaths happened almost every day in Chicago at this time. Because like I said, there were tons of gangs that were active. Al Capone is the most popular because he was in charge of everything when Torrio left. But there were tons of them. They were everywhere. Yeah, you and, can't control that. I mean, yeah, no, it's, it's almost like impossible. You, you can't make every it's like a boycott. Like You can't yes. make everyone stop doing it. Yeah. And there's like this whole thing about like um, there was a, an a- analogy that they said in the prohibition the film that I watched, it was like if everybody... You mean the boring five-part documentary? Yes. Three parts. Three. Okay, sorry. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I will get so defensive of Ken Burns. I don't know why. I really, really like him. I think he's so cool. Um, Just his research is good. But anyway, so um, it's like if everybody just runs a red light, if everybody does it, and policemen can, like, try and stop it, it just becomes irrelevant because everybody is doing this illegal thing, and no matter how many times policemen wave their arms in front of cars, people are still going to run this red light. So it's basically the same thing that's going on. It's like 
everybody's doing illegal stuff. In addition to that, the chief of police in Chicago at the time stated that around 60% of his officers were involved in the bootlegging business. Yeah, it's kind of, like, uncontrollable. That's mm-hmm. also how, like, decriminalization of things happens, too. Absolutely. Like, um, we recently decriminalized shrooms in Denver, and mm-hmm. that's—it was almost like they're—it's not hurting anything, really. People are doing Mm-mm. it safely, and everyone's doing it, and it's not worth our resources to go after right. it every single time. Because there's real murderers in the world, and we should probably be pursuing those leads— instead of prosecuting people who are just high on the street. Yeah. Um, and not doing anything or bothering anyone. Um, so, yeah. So, that's basically what's going on. So, you're totally correct. And it's estimated that Torrio's crime syndicate was making about a million dollars a month through the sale of illegal alcohol, gambling, and prostitution. Whoa. And Capone was raking in 25% of that profit. Okay. So, he was a big deal. And he Why eventually... don't you just do it for a couple months and then quit? And take <laughs> yeah, your money right? and it's like, go somewhere else. I had so much fun, you guys. Thank you. That's not how mob you would get killed, probably. <laughs> yeah, you'd probably be murdered because if you get high enough up to where Capone was, you know all of the secrets and when each shipment is coming in, um, where each location is, and what they're hiding down there, how much money they're evading through tax evasion and stuff like that. I don't know. Tax evasion is a confusing concept. You just don't pay taxes, right? Yeah, I think that's just it. Okay. (laughs) But I mean, I might not understand it correctly. But you have to like launder money to actually evade taxes because you have to report what your actual income is. And if you get a check, then the government already has. Is that how? I don't even know how that works. I think you could also. I know money. Just not. I I don't want to say something really (laughs) stupid, but I I feel like you could also like just not do something formally to where the government would know what your income is. Right. So you could do like some sort of illegal business, which I think would be like this case. Yeah. Like so they don't know what's going on. So they don't know how much money you're yeah. making. In addition to that, they did launder money, which is basically like drying out money and like washing off all of the criminal background to it. So they'd go through like, uh, like the, the most popular form of money laundering in today's day and age is to go through offshore accounts and bounce around mm-hmm. so that the actual, source of where that money came from no longer exists and is washed away Mm -hmm. therefore laundering the money and then it comes back just using it somewhere else yeah basically and then it still comes back to you but you don't have to say where you got it from yeah Um, you just like directly it just goes through yeah yeah it's it's this whole crazy thing and if you read the panama papers you'll understand (gasps) i was about to say that (laughs) so read the panama papers everyone yes we did (laughs) we met the pulitzer prize journalists who actually like went through two of of the like yes how many hundreds oh my god there were so many all from across the world and uh it's just like such a good story anyway so that's what they were doing in these basements in chicago and capone was making a shit ton of money And during the short stint from 1923 to 1927, where Big Bill Thompson was no longer the mayor of Chicago, um, Capone just, like, moved all of their stuff to Cesario, Illinois, instead of Chicago. And they were still doing all of these terrible things. But when Democrats were starting to go up in the polls in Cesario, Capone would go out and actually terrorize voters that were voting. He would, like, beat them up on the street. See, now I think police might care about that. <laughs> but they didn't because it happened all the time. Like, he did it all the time, and he never got in trouble for it. And that's because in Cesario, the Republicans still held the majority. But because Democrats were winning out in Chicago, a lot of people were like, oh, we should probably 
vote Democratic because there's like less crime in Chicago. There was still crime in Chicago, but it wasn't as centered there anymore. And now it was in Cesario and people were like, we don't want this here. So we're going to vote for people who are not going to support this. But Capone literally didn't care. And he was like, you vote for them, you die. <laughs> um, so okay. it's really, really terrible. Such a good democratic How system. How would he know, though? Because voting records are confidential. So they they would go to, like, those polling sessions where people would, like, show up and um, state their party. It was, like, poll viewing or something like that. It's this weird process. And then um, I think that he would go to, like, traditional, like, you know, gerrymandering. The traditional, like, democratic sections of Cesario and like go in front of the polls and like threaten people and like who are you voting for but you could say you were voting for the Dem- the Republican and then go vote and for the Democrat for the he would Democrat. never know well so well they, maybe he would because he he's probably would have known inside of everything yeah okay. because there's maybe don't risk it yeah it just was really dangerous and if they ever found out about that um or obviously if the Democratic candidate won then all of the people who were associated with the Democratic Party would be susceptible to whatever Capone was planning. So it was in everyone's best interest to not vote for the Democrats. And that's probably the smart choice to do at this point. I mean, if I had a gun to my head, then I would probably vote for the other for the other people. Would you do I'd that? vote for the Green Party. Yeah, right? I'd be like, <laughs> I'm voting independent. <laughs> I have a write-in answer, actually. Um, yeah. Somewhat Bernie. Um. Okay. Feel the burn. (laughs) Feel it. So the end of this terrorization of voters would come to fruition when um, Capone's brother, Frank, actually died in a shootout incident. Um, And so Capone was eventually just kind of like he backed off a little bit. But the Republicans did recapture the mayorship um, in 1927. And Al Capone would always act out against any city official now and wouldn't go against the voters, but would go directly to the source um, who tried to act independently um, or refused to take bribes from any of the gangsters. At one point, I'm pretty sure he pushed a politician down a flight of stairs. Like he, yeah, because like the politician wasn't cooperating with one of his men who had gone there to like negotiate something. And um, Capone heard about it, and he literally, like, showed up at City Hall and pushed this guy down a flight of stairs. He's Classy scary. guy. Yeah, no, he's <laughs> freaking terrifying. He's the worst. Um, but the rivalry between Capone and Bugs started in 1924 when Capone, Torrio, and Yale ordered the hit on the leader of the Northside Chicago gang at the time, which was Dion O'Banion. And if you remember, I had said that Bugs inherited sort of the leadership of the Northside Chicago gang because his this leader was assassinated. Um, and that's, that's, that's what we're going to talk about right now. So O'Banion owned a flower shop which was a front for all of his illegal stuff <laughs> which i think is kind oh, of precious. sweet yeah because everybody else was like i'm gonna own a bar or a speakeasy or a creepy grocery store and he's like i'm gonna own a flower shop i mean why inconspicuous. not i think that's great um i wouldn't look there i know i wouldn't either i'd be like look at this cute little irish dude running this flower shop that might be a little suspicious actually i don't know i don't know if he had like a family or anything like that but maybe he did and 
it all worked out. But it would kind of be weird if there was like a flower shop run by all of these Irish guys that were big and burly <laughs> yeah. and like there was With like guns. A, and yeah, just... and there was a weird gun cabinet in the back. And you're like, why do you need all these Tommy guns? And like, I, I just don't know. love decorating with flowers. Yes, I love it. And also guns. They're for the funerals of all the people I murdered. Yeah. <laughs> it's just more convenient that way. It just became way. economical. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. So on November 10th, 1964, three men walked into a flower shop and killed O'Banion in cold blood. They arrived ostensibly to buy flowers. And instead, one man held O'Banion while the other two shot him with two pistols at close range. There's always overkill when it comes to gangs. They're like, we're going to shoot seven men with 90 rounds. Like, that's not necessary. That's a waste of gun stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Gun stuff. Bullets. Bullets. (laughs) So anyway, so we have this murder, and Bugs would inherit the Northside gang after this. Um, Another fun fact, around 15,000 people attended the funeral of O'Banion, including Capone and Torrio. They just showed up, walked in. If I was O'Banion's wife, if he had a wife, I'd be so mad. I'd be so mad. The classic, the murderer goes to the funeral. (laughs) Yes. It's horrible because they didn't actually commit the murder. They orchestrated it. Right. So it's like. We uh, we weren't there. I don't know what you're talking what? about. We didn't do we it. We were away creating airtight sol- alibis. What were you doing? <laughs> <laughs> you know? So um, it was after this that Torrio would end up retiring and going back to Italy in 1926, leaving Chicago all to the beautiful Scarface Al Capone. It's all his. It's all his. He doesn't have to share. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, no one likes sharing. No one likes sharing, especially mobsters. <laughs> yeah. So in 1926, Capone allegedly ordered the death of the prosecutor who tried to pin a murder on him. Um, this murder was of mobster Joe Howard, and Capone just didn't like Howard, and so he killed him. So he did this. <laughs> um, but the key eyewitness that had been brought forth by this prosecutor, his name is William McSwiggin. McSwiggin. <laughs> yeah. I think it's Swiggin. Yeah, Swiggin. I'm going to say, it. yeah. Um, and <laughs> this eyewitness, like, was completely afraid for his life and seemingly forgot what he saw when he brought him to the stand and Capone walked free. In retaliation, Capone started his rule as the leader of gambling, prostitution, and bootlegging operations by killing off this beautiful prosecutor and um, it's quite unfortunate. But, yeah, he shot him in the street. And so that was, like, his Darn. first official act as the leader of Chicago was to kill off the one guy who had sort of tried to bring him to justice, if you will. I would so, say that that makes quite the statement. I think so, too. However, Capone was worried that people were going to figure out that he was the one who did it because I'm pretty sure he was the one who actually shot him. And he went into hiding for three months after the incident and then eventually returned. He would never be punished for the murder. In addition, his wealth in 1927 skyrocketed, skyrocketed to immense proportions. His amounted worth was that of nearly $100 million, $100 million which is probably close to nearly a billion dollars in today's money. I don't know how inflation works. It's okay. But it's a lot more than $100 million right now. <laughs> so he had it made. Um... 
And he was also continuing these money laundering operations. And at the same time, he was committing extreme tax evasion. And this would be really important because he would get arrested for tax evasion in the end. Like, he wouldn't get arrested for any murder, but that's <laughs> that's what they got him on. Um, but at the time, he was basically the wealthiest criminal in America. Um, Good job. I know, right? So it's super great. I'm trying to see. Okay, so (laughs) now we come to 1929. Okay. Our wonderful year of the massacre that is the main reason we're talking about all of this. So in 1929, the the gangsters were reaching really huge death tolls. And by February of that year, there had already been 64 gang-related deaths. So everybody... Okay, so (laughs) the seven men who were killed on the 14th were... Not in this death toll. So that means that in from January 1st to February 14th, 64 people were murdered. That's a lot of people. In the streets of Chicago. That's like every other day. Yeah. <laughs> it's like so yeah. many. Yeah. Well, there's only, that's only like 30, that's like 40, that's 45 days. So that's like two on some days. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It's super, super bad. Um, and Capone was still in control at the time. However, Bugs was like the only person who was kind of like combating the Chicago outfit. And he, they had signed this document, the charter that had been released, but it was just because Capone orchestrated the murder of this gang's leader that they were like, that's not cool, man. Yeah. That's like encroaching on our territory. And that's like against the charter. (laughs) And that's how they said it. (laughs) and that's how they dealt with it just kidding no they shot each other that's how they dealt with it um so the rivalry and the subsequent end of the north side gang would come with the murders on february 14th 1929 at 10 30 a.m four men entered the smc cartridge company garage where bugs held his illegal bootlegging operation Two of the men entered the premises dressed as policemen, as I said before, and announced that the place was being raided. There were currently seven men inside the garage at the time, and they were all lined up against the infamous brick wall at gunpoint. With all the seven men facing the wall, the quartet opened and shot all of these people. Just shot 90 times. 90 times, (laughs) which is just so wasteful. Not great. Yeah. How rude. Also, so, someone's going to hear that. Yeah, it's like, that's a lot of gunfire. <laughs> um, granted, this was Chicago towards the end of the Prohibition. So gunfire was heard constantly, but the Tommy gun was sort of infamous. And if you heard it, you knew that it was a mobster hit. Like, you just knew that that was what so was going on. So you just don't on. go outside. <laughs> so you just don't go just outside. Pretend I didn't hear Probably that. And people did hear it, and there were eyewitnesses who saw these men fleeing the scene. But who's going to talk? Nobody. Not me. No. I wouldn't. <laughs> no. Nobody even recognized the four men. That was the other thing. It's like, I don't know. They were dressed as policemen, and they escaped in a black Cadillac that was, like, standard issued for the police. They even had sirens and lights on the car, which we know until recently wasn't an illegal thing to own police lights. In Colorado. In Colorado. But they were in Chicago, so I don't I don't know. I'm what, sure it wasn't I don't know, illegal. It was like in Illinois. Yeah. Anyway. So um 
four of the men were uh, Bugs Associates. One was an optician, like an eye doctor, and he just liked cavorting with criminals, like on the weekends and stuff. So he was just there. What did you for call some it? reason? An optician. Oh, I didn't know that's what they were called. I think that's what they're called. An, I know yeah, it's like optometry. Yeah. I thought they were called optometrists. I don't know. It said optom optician on the website. I don't think you're wrong. I just was like, that's like it was cool on word. Britannica. <laughs> well, I'll be- I believe you. I, I believe thank you. you so much. Yeah, that is so random. <laughs> there you was go. Was he really though? Yeah. yeah. Are you sure? No, he was legit. Like okay. he he wasn't actually a member of the gang. He was like, I just like you guys. Oh. <laughs> can so, I hang out with you? Yeah, it's like, oh my god, can I watch you guys do tax evasion stuff? Like I've always wondered what it's like to do I'll that. I'll just sit over here yeah, and watch. Like, I won't even count. I'll give you free <laughs> eye exams. I'll be your doctor. Yeah, exactly. So he was just there and he got shot with everybody else. Um, another was Frank Gunsenberg, who was um Bugs Enforcer, so basically his like personal policeman. And Frank's brother, Peter Gunsenberg. Like I said, in total, there were 90 shots fired when the real Chicago police arrived at the scene. Frank Gunsenberg was actually still alive. And so they tried to ask him what had happened, but Frank refused to say anything. He was like, I'm not telling you anything. And unfortunately, he would eventually succumb to his injuries and would also die um, due to being literally shot by a Tommy gun a whole bunch of times. How was so, he alive? I don't know. But yeah, he was alive when they I arrived. I would just the tell scene. them if I knew yeah, I was going like, to die. Al Capone did it. <laughs> I'm about to die. Here you go. <laughs> like, here's what's going on. Loyalty and brotherhood. Toxic. Stop doing that. Stop doing tell it. Tell on each other. Yes. Hold each other accountable. That's what brotherhood is I about. I would tell on you if you murdered someone. I would tell on you too. Good. Uh, even though I've already previously stated in one of these things that I would totally help you bury a body. I but would like, as well. But like the second time you did it, I'm telling be, on you. Yeah, I'd be like, this is the first too time much. you get a pass. Yeah, the first time. But I'd make them wave that thing in front of me and be like, immunity. Yeah. <laughs> if I tell you There the should truth. be like a friendship immunity. <laughs> yeah, right. Be like, okay, listen. Randy like killed this chick like several months ago. And I helped her bury the body because I'm a good friend. They probably would actually like, give you that immunity. They probably would if I would go up there and just tell them the truth, which I totally would just tell the truth. <laughs> like, I'm, like, whatever. I fear nothing. Okay. So, um, <laughs> there were a few witnesses to the crime, like I said, and the Tommy gun fire is what drew them out. Actually, they like went out. I was like, I would stay in. Yeah, I feel like, oh, I would go the opposite direction. Uh, probably not good. But I, like I had said before, it's mostly just like gang members killing gang members. So if you were just like a guy or like a girl, just like chilling, and you're like, oh, gunfire, let's go see what's going on. You know? Well, maybe yeah, I'd go look for yeah, like, be like, the Ooh. excitement of it. Yeah, Like, I guess we'll go see. Um, but I would just peek out the window. I wouldn't go yeah, outside. Like, yeah, no, people like lined up outside of the garage. <laughs> so weird. Yeah, there's there's this really cool photo that must have been taken from like the second story of one of the buildings next door. And there is like a line of people and the garage door is open and there's like police cars and stuff, but they're all peeking to like see this, <laughs> the, what's going on in there. Lucky lose. Yeah, exactly. Um, so... They saw the black Cadillac, which was standard for police cars. They saw the four men running out, but nobody knew who they were. And we still don't know who these men are. Like, we don't have anybody who came forward later in life and they're like, I did it. (laughs) (laughs) I was the St. Valentine's Day massacre and here are the other three. That would have been so nice. 
If someone had put it, it in a diary. Happen. Yes. Maybe someone will magically find an old diary in like an attic in Chicago somewhere. Yeah. And it'll have a written confession that of would like be cool. one of the guys that were a member of Capone's gang. And they're just like, this is how we orchestrated the St. Valentine's Day massacre. That would make my life if that happened. That would be really cool. Beautiful. And like, why? Because in addition, like Capone had already killed the leader of the Northside gang. Mm -hmm. Bugs hadn't done anything to really retaliate. There was one attempt to assassinate Torrio, but he left very soon afterwards for Italy. So there wasn't really a necessity to keep up this rivalry. Yeah, there's no motive. Yeah, exactly. And there were so many gangs in Chicago that existed at the time that the product was just everywhere and you couldn't really compete with each other like that because like what's the point? Like everybody's going to bring in more alcohol. Everybody wanted to be a part of the bootlegging business. So like really most of the stupid fights that would happen and the deaths that would occur would because of would be because of some vendetta or retaliation to some wrong that somebody did mm-hmm. or some insulting thing. And I'm like grow the fuck up. That's all I have to say. But they're mobsters, so I'm not going to insult them at the moment. Um, Well, they're all dead. That's true, but, like, you know what I mean. No ghosts. I I don't want to be haunted by a monster (laughs) ghost. You don't? No. That's kind of (laughs) cool. No, I don't. Okay. (laughs) Do you want to be haunted by a monster ghost? Maybe. I mean, you... What does that entail? (laughs) I don't know. Probably a lot of yelling, I feel like. Yeah, I feel like there would be a lot of yelling. Cool. Okay. (laughs) Um... So Capone didn't fully get his prize with this massacre because mm-hmm. Bugs was supposed to be there, but he slept in that morning and didn't make it oh, darn. in time to actually be murdered. He arrived a mere maybe like three or four minutes after the massacre oh my happened. Yes. And the police were already there by that time. Um, but uh, Capone was in Florida at the time of these murders. And like I said, they were always off making sure that they had an airtight alibi and they would assign these hits to these random, like, I don't know, like 20-somethings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And they'd be like, okay, you're new. You got to go kill these people to prove that you want to be a part of our gang. So that was always like an induction thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Weird hazing. Um, But yeah. So... The death of the seven gangsters in broad daylight would be the end of the Northside gang, but it would also be the end of Capone as well. Um, No one would ever face prosecution for these murders, unfortunately, which is why there's like all this speculation about them. Like, who were these men? Where did they come from? How old were they? Um, Were they all part of Capone's mob? Was Capone even involved? Like, what happened? Because we really don't know. All we can do is speculate that that's what was happening. But there were hundreds of, not hundreds, but like a decent amount of mobsters going on. So maybe it was somebody else. Yeah. Do we know if there were any other rivalries? Like, such so intense as that? I don't know if there were any as intense as the ones between the Northside Gang and Capone's sort of charter thing, uh, the Chicago outfit. Mm -hmm. But, um, there were incidences. Obviously, it wasn't just like all of Capone's men were killing Bugs' men and then all of Bugs' men were killing Capone's men because then they wouldn't have any men left. But um, the the main rivalry was between these two because they were the biggest guys in town at the time. 
Well, maybe some other guy was like, I want to be the biggest guy in town. Right? And that's another theory that could come into play, too. That's so good. Yeah. So, it's- But I feel like I would go after Capone. Yeah. Because he seems like the bigger guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He is the bigger guy, ultimately, because he controlled multiple gangs in addition to well, his own Well, then maybe that's role. harter. So maybe you go yeah. after Bugs because mm-hmm. that's more attainable. Cause, yeah. Because you could kind of, like, control that area. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. And maybe because, I mean, like- Obviously, if Bugs was supposed to be there, he was the main guy that they were trying to get. Or maybe the police did it. Yes, maybe the police actually did maybe do it. it were... Maybe they were in cohort cohorts with Capone because there were two men that were not dressed like policemen. Yeah. And so maybe they met them at the location and the, it was actually the police yeah. that shot these men and they used standard shotguns. And that's why they didn't have a Tommy gun because that was not a traditionally issued police officer gun. That would be weird if it was. Yes, it would. It would be very oh, bad. Maybe I think that's what happened. I want I want that to be the story. I know that would actually that's kind my, of be cool. That's my pick. Yes, and it's actually funny that you say that. It's a good you know caveat into what we're saying. not caveat but segue into um, what we're going to talk about next, which is briefly about sort of who was against Capone from the beginning, and it was this guy named Elliot Ness and the Untouchables. And often people like because the movie focuses a lot on Elliot Ness and how he's like this epic detective, and the Untouchables are these people. Um, that were called untouchable because they couldn't be bribed by anybody. They were untouchable by the mobsters. They were they like, were detectives. Yeah. Well, so they were prohibition officers. So they weren't necessarily detectives, but he's kind of depicted as a detective. But in reality, he would just go around and like break open barrels full of alcohol. <laughs> and he wasn't a real threat to Capone's actual reign because, like I said, prohibition wasn't the only thing that skyrocketed mob bosses into controlling these huge areas. It was yeah. brothels, gambling, and money laundering. So Ness and his crew tried to bring down Capone. Didn't really do a great job. The person who really brought down Al Capone is an accountant. Yes. <laughs> From the National <laughs> Treasury, who found out that Capone had been committing a shit ton of tax evasion. That's what I said on here. A shit ton of tax evasion. <laughs> um, so while it's kind of like exciting to think that Capone had this like epic rival in someone who was involved in law enforcement, he really didn't. He like befriended a lot of law enforcement. And if Randy's crazy theory is correct, then he probably let law enforcement kind of take control and be like, let's be buddy-buddy and kill these members of this rival gang for me. Um, so who knows? But uh, in 1931, Capone was found guilty of tax evasion after the accountant Frank Wilson basically went on this huge hunt. What a brave accountant. I know. He's really doing his job. He was an accountant for the National Treasury, so I don't know if he was based in Chicago. I would assume that it was probably D.C., but I'm not sure about that. Um, so he like tracked down all the illegal sources of Capone's income, which took a long time to do and built this huge case of a tax evasion against Capone. And because they couldn't pin any of the murders on him, it was like a huge deal that they had anything against this guy. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so in 1931, he was found guilty and went to prison for 11 years. Um, he had actually been in jail previous time for tax evasion. Well, yeah. I think they milked that a little bit on purpose, (laughs) just like a little. Um, He had been in jail previously. um, I think it was in 1929, 28. No, 29. Um, Because he failed to appear before a judge um, and he was sentenced to nine months in prison. And then he was also sentenced to nine months in prison in 
Pennsylvania for carrying a concealed weapon, which I'm sure was just like a Tommy gun, just like in the, in the back <laughs> of his pants. I feel like that would be so funny if he just like walks into like Philadelphia and he's got like a Tommy gun hanging off of his like belt buckle or something like that. And it's like, you cannot have that here. Please stop Sir. it. It's like, I'm arresting you right now. So yeah, you did go to prison for nine months for that. Um, and of course, tax evasion would be the end of Capone's gangster career. In addition to that, when he was in prison, because he got arrested in 1931 and tried and whatever, the 21st Amendment came about in 1933, which repealed the 18th. It literally is just like, just kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, JK. <laughs> so funny. I think it's one sentence. The 21st Amendment. It's like, this amendment repeals the 18th or something like that. Oh, really? Yeah. It's really, you may drink now. It's like, Americans, comma. Please feel free to drink alcohol now. <laughs> You're welcome. Sign the president. <laughs> and that's it. That's the whole amendment. Party on. <laughs> Party on, Party dudes. on, America. <laughs> exactly. So um, Capone was imprisoned at the federal penitentiary in Atlanta and was then moved to the infamous Alcatraz, um, which opened in 1934 in off the coast of San Francisco. Um, in case you didn't know where Alcatraz was. I feel like everybody knows where Alcatraz is. But I do, too. San Francisco, kids. Okay. So he was released on good behavior on November 16th, 1939. In addition, Capone went crazy in prison. And his Who wife. Wouldn't? Yeah. No, but he legit went crazy. <laughs> and his wife, like, pleaded for his early release because of this mental state. And do you know why he went crazy? I want you to guess what disease he had that made him go crazy. What? Okay. It's not what you traditionally would think um, of, like, a crazy—I shouldn't say that. I was going to say a crazy person's disease, because not all mental disorders make you crazy, but you know what I it's mean. It's a disease? Yeah. It's not schizophrenia. I'm just going to cancel that out for Is you. it a mental disorder? No. <laughs> Is it a physical yeah. disorder that made him go crazy? It starts out physical, and then it starts to manifest into a mental incapacitator. What does it start with? S. S? Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited for you to guess this. I don't think you're going to figure Wait, it out. Wait, what's the second letter? Y. C. Um, what's the third letter? P. <laughs> what does it rhyme with? Uh. <laughs> no, that's going to give it one away. word? Yeah. What's the fourth letter? H. <laughs> Syphilis? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's so random. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so. Oh, wow. Okay. He. How does that manifest itself mentally? Well, let me tell you okay. about the three stages of syphilis. Oh, please so, enlighten me. <laughs> this was before penicillin was invented, which was the miracle drug. I'm allergic to penicillin, so I totally would have died of all of these diseases. Oh, no. Um. Yeah. If I had lived back then, I would have died of tuberculosis. Um. So the drug penicillin was invented in 1928, and Capone probably contracted syphilis because he literally worked in brothels all the time. And um, he probably contracted the disease from one of his sex workers. And the sort of, like, weird thing about syphilis is that it kind of manifests in, like, three different stages— and um, in 1928, Capone would already have been well into the third stage of this disease. And so even if he had taken penicillin, it would not have cured him of this. So it's really nasty. 
see if you know about syphilis. <laughs> um, it starts out as being sexually transmitted and then appears in the first stage as like sores on your genitalia. And then it manifests itself into a full body rash about 10 months afterwards. So that travels up a bit. So that's the second stage. Why are you saying it? it's so funny for some reason? Well, you know, syphilis. I feel like I'm in a sex ed class. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, don't have sex or you'll get pregnant and die. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I or chlamydia. What is the what's that from? The mean girls quote. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, like, I don't know. It was in the musical though. Yeah, I was like, don't was have funny. sex or you'll get pregnant and die. Yeah, it's like something to that effect. <laughs> um, it has like chlamydia written yeah. on the back board. But this is way worse than chlamydia. <laughs> you can take a drug for that for chlamydia and it'll go away. But um. Can you do that? Yes. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I had to validate that. Wow. It is almost nine o'clock. I'm so sorry. Okay. So um, once it manifests itself into like a full body rash, the disease will recede into your body and start affecting your organs, mainly your kidney, your heart, and your brain. <laughs> what? <laughs> it will like eat your brain. Oh my God. It's really bad. It killed a lot of people. And a lot of the victims actually were from World War II veterans returning home. And I'm not really sure. I don't want to accuse anyone well, of what happened yeah. over there. So I'm not going to say what happened. But a lot of syphilis happened in World War II. Um, I think we can connect those dots. Yeah, I think you guys can make the assumption inside your brains. And I'm just not going to say it out loud because it's really horrible what happened over there. In terms of like, you know, Rape. I'm not going to even. Yeah, <laughs> I'll say it. They raped people probably. Okay. So in Capone's case, the disease had infected his brain, and the guards at Alcatraz noted his strange behavior and said that he wore a creepy grin all the time and talked to himself <laughs> and stuff. Oh Could you gosh. imagine being a, okay, just like Al Capone, just chilling in his cell, no. and he's just in the corner smiling at you? No, that sounds terrifying. I would quit. I yes, same. I would be out. Well, I like, wouldn't can have I that job in the first block? place. True. I'm so creepy. I, would, I desperately want to visit Alcatraz though. That would be cool. I, I totally want to do that. That would be cool. Um, but yeah, so we have Capone leave the pen, leave the prison system early because of his very messed up mental state. And he would actually die of a heart failure at the age of 48 back in Florida on oh, January. Oh, so young. I know. Isn't it weird? I mean, like, he wow. got into power in the a 20s. lot in his life. <laughs> he totally did. He did a, a go-getter. He had a good time. He had an adventurous life, killed some people, had some fun. Probably hanging out with Satan, but like probably that's fine. Um, so he died on January twenty fifth, nineteen forty seven. But it is said that his ghost haunts the Eastern State Penitentiary in Philadelphia, where he was held after um the gun thing, Ken Seal and Carry. That thing. Why is his ghost there? I don't know. What? <laughs> Why wouldn't it be where he died? I don't know. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't, does it? <laughs> but during his time at the penitentiary, apparently some of the inmates um, would say that they would hear Capone screaming and begging for someone named Jimmy to get out of his cell. Now, it is important is Jimmy a ghost? to note. Maybe. Okay. One of Bugs' men killed during the St. Valentine's Day massacre was named Jimmy Clark. And so people think... That Jimmy was haunting Capone, or Capone was literally going crazy because of syphilis. <laughs> and, or both. Or both, maybe. 
I don't know how long a little it combo. Takes. Yeah, maybe just like a, I don't know, a mixture of things. I mean, I would be pretty haunted if I was Capone and killed so many people. And at the end of my life, I was like stuck in a cell. I might manifest that into. I might do that yeah, too. Yeah. Um, I might have crazy ass nightmares. I don't know. Um, and so because that he, w- he would yell out the name Jimmy all the time, people thought that that was proof that Capone had, in fact, orchestrated the Valentine's Day Massacre. That's like a kind of a common name, though. True. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, like, he killed a whole bunch of people. So I'm sure I don't he killed, know. I'm sure he killed several people named Jim- Jimmy. Jimmy's. Exactly. And one of my favorite things about this ghost story is, like, BuzzFeed Unsolved. Have <laughs> you watched that show? No. Well, okay. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I haven't so watched they, this version. They do these like supernatural ghost hunt things. And, I did watch um, the Annabelle one after you told me about it. Oh, really? Yeah. It that was, was funny. Kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm kind of worried for him. <laughs> <laughs> Creepy. Um, yeah. So it's like these two guys, and one of them doesn't believe in ghosts, and the other one does. And um, Claire's in love with one of I'm them. I'm in love with Ryan Vergara. <laughs> she has a t shirt. Oh, my God. I love him so much. Okay. So, um, yeah, so they go to the Eastern State Penitentiary and they like collect EVPs mm-hmm. and they ask directly for Al Capone in the cell where he used to reside. And he like the recording directly answers all of their questions, which I thought was always Ooh. super cool. That's like my favorite episode of theirs. Um, and it's the Eastern State Penitentiary episode. And you can watch it on I'll YouTube. Go watch that, yeah. I'll link it on the thing. And the whole place is really terrifying. Like, I would hate to be a prisoner in that place. I would totally go insane as well. It would just be horrible. So um, Capone would live on and would influence movies like Scarface and the Godfather series, both of which I haven't seen. I don't care. <laughs> There's um, so many Godfathers. I've so seen, many. I've seen all of them, but I, like, again, so long ago. Yeah. When I was, like... In my like early like ten to like thirteen, I just felt like I needed to watch every classic movie. Oh yeah, to say I watched it. I respect. But that. I don't remember them now. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I should have waited a little. Yeah, till my memory been, was. Like, as a thirteen-year-old, I know very well that I will not remember any yes. of these things. <laughs> no, I yeah, but um, I didn't don't have any interest in watching those films because I just feel like they're gonna be. I've seen the infamous horse scene with yeah. the head Who and the blood, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, and I'm just like, ugh, gross. <laughs> Why well, don't care about these people? Um, so I'm much more interested in the real people that had like real blood on their hands and that they were horrible and all of the corruption and stuff because obviously that corruption is like the basis for our current justice system and we are still seeing the impacts of all of this horrible bullshit that happened in our current legal system and it's time to reform it because Al Capone's dead. Prohibition is over, and we shouldn't just be killing people. Thank you very much. <laughs> Stop it. Stop. Okay. But okay. then we wouldn't have anything to talk about. I know, and then what would we do? We would be so bored. Oh, so bored. But there's always going to be at least one other person who's like, I'm going to defy everything. Yeah. There's always That's one true. guy. And we have all these other murders to talk yeah. about. We're fine. We're good. The We're historical good. murders still this exist. This podcast's almost over. It's yeah, fine. <laughs> It's cool. Okay, so sorry that was really long, but um, I'm glad it was my last episode. I had a lot I'm, to say. That's a good last episode, I Thank think, for you. you. Yeah, it was really Historical, fun. exciting, mm-hmm. all Upsters, the things you love. Yeah, Crazy stuff. Making sure that everyone is not toxically masculine. Toxically? Yeah. Yeah, masculine. And uh, be nice to each other. Yeah, don't murder each other. Let's not. That's not the answer. Okay, Jesus. <laughs> you could just... <laughs> Talk Sit down and other. talk to each other. 
See, that's our womanly wiles coming out right, <laughs> right. now because we've been socialized differently, apparently, and that sucks. But also, I'm glad because I know that I am rational because of that. Yes. You can talk your way out of anything. No, but I try. <laughs> yeah anyway okay oh, well i'm sad i know i'm so sad you guys but thank you for listening to all of you know our episodes and for sticking with me through all the historical ones i had so much fun doing all the research for them it's like one of my favorite things to do and um it tied in my love of history and the law and um journalism and stuff <laughs> yeah and murder oh my god i'm gonna be sad um so yeah Thanks for sticking with me all through Ted Bundy, Erzabet Bathory, Daria the Tormentor, all that good shit. You guys are awesome. I'm going to (laughs) cry. And I don't cry. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm going to cry. Okay. Oh, my God. (laughs) Let's just keep our eyes as wide open as possible so tears can't come out. Okay. Okay. We're making crazy faces at each other. I can't. Okay. Thank you for teaching me about historical murders because I don't. I mean, I probably wouldn't have looked them up myself, and now I know my repertoire is so much <laughs> so more much expansive. Bigger. You're so thank welcome. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you for talking about murder with me. You're welcome. I'm so glad you agreed to do this. Yeah. <laughs> what a good phone conversation. I know. It lasted for like 10 minutes. I said, hey, I'm trying to do a murder podcast, but I don't want to do it alone. Are you interested? Yeah. Let's have coffee <laughs> like, and talk about it. Oh, my God. I'm literally reading a and then like book that- about true crime right yeah you agreed so quickly yeah it was so good (sighs) okay well we have our finale episode we're about Mm -hmm. to record right now yes it's a really big case i'm so excited i don't know what it is she hasn't told me what it is yet and i I almost gave it away earlier i'll tell you (laughs) once i tell you what it is you'll know you did yeah i almost gave it away i didn't even notice okay well i'm very excited so you'll have a lot to say about it so this isn't your last episode you'll have plenty to say in this next one well thank you guys for listening to all my research and stuff i had so much fun Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening. Bye.